The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to the Measure Success Podcast, where we feature top leaders on how they measure success in their business and life. Now, let's learn from their experiences. Hello, this is Carl J. Cox, and I'm the host of the Measure Success Podcast, where I talk with top leaders about effective strategies that measure success. This should be getting released on 2-22-22. Uh, happy Tuesday, I think I've heard um, say. But, but anyways, this is a 22. I've been waiting this number my whole life. 22 has been my favorite number for years. And I'm super excited about this day. We are actually starting a new monthly series where we're going to take it. We're not going to have a guest today. Um, we're going to do this. going to be short and sweet, about approximately 18-minute series and and we're going to do this each respective time and and the goal once again is give you more insights more depth behind what we do why we've been doing it and and i hope you're going to appreciate this story which is one which i'm calling is the making of 40 strategies and and why we ultimately help out ceos from getting from 4 million to 40 million and beyond so with that, we're going to start out since since 40 Strategies is effectively the company that I founded. A lot of the story is going to be about me, but once again, I would not have been able to get here without the incredible help that people have done for me throughout the year. So first of all, I'm not going to have a chance to name all the people that have been in there, but there's so many mentors and managers and people from my youth until today that have had an incredible difference for me. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you for that, because uh, without you, the story would not be true. And and also like to thank my wife and my kids. They've been incredibly supportful through this. My wife of over 25 years, I have four wonderful kids that are making their impact in the world. And so I just want to say thank you to you and thank you to listening and supporting a, a whole way through this. So we're going to go back on this. And, and once again, I'm going to go a little bit back about my story because it's a little bit about my fabric and the way how I think and the way how I operate. I was born back in, and not that far, depending on your age, and might be really far to others, but back in 1974 on February 20th. So I just recently had my birthday. And uh, with that, I was born in, in uh, just outside of Boston, Massachusetts, and Lynn, a little town called this, the city that's there, a small city. It's called Lynn Lynn. There's a saying, Lynn Lynn, the city of sin, you never come out the same way you came in. It was a rough town. And uh, the best thing my mom ever do uh, did was help get us out of that area because it was it was pretty tough. And this happened as a result of my my parent. We have um, four kids, three different dads in our family, and my mom and dad were the last. They separated. My dad when we went to Oregon, my dad went down to Florida, and so we started this whole new future in in this suburb area of Oregon, which was a complete culture shock to us. We were we were actually wearing straight jagged straight legged jeans. They were wearing bell bottom jeans. And, and we had my name back then used to be Kyle, not Carl. And, and so a bunch of transitions and a bunch of challenges. And, but for me, and it really for our family, it was a great thing because we got to have, be in this more stable environment. We got to be in this rental house uh, right across from one of the schools that we went to. And so we started getting a little bit of stability, frankly. And, and so from there, we, we went through that period of time and 
we didn't have much. My mom was on had multiple jo- different jobs from being a pile driver to working at convenience stores. She did whatever it took to help provide for our family. And from that, we also had a lot of government assistance during this period of time. And, and so if it wasn't for families like the Reels and the Corcorans and you name it, you know, there's so many people that helped us to get to sports and to different events. And it was, it was these type of things that helped keep me out of trouble because I was getting in a little bit of trouble. And, and then football, I got to always thank Craig Rooker and all the coaches that were part of that, that helped once again, keep me on the straight and narrow when I could get in a lot of tr- trouble and challenges along the way. And it was through that, I started getting this discipline and this competitiveness and this challenge of pushing myself because I'm not that big of a person, but I had this passion to wear uh, the black football pants and on varsity Friday night lights. And, and I did get that opportunity. It was a great experience. We had a lot of success and made it into the playoffs. And, and that was a tremendous amount of fun. And, and so, but in the mid eighties, prior to all that, I actually started working in strawberry fields at a young age. And I, if you've ever done strawberry picking, it is not easy. And I think I had one of my first checks was like for $24 and 13 cents. And that was kind of a lot of money to me, but it really wasn't the same time for the, considering the amount of work and effort that we put into there. And then from there, I had my first legitimate, if you may, but it was my second job technically was working at McDonald's. And so from 14 to 16 years of age, I started working there and it was interesting. I mean, it was actually one of the best things I learned. I was learning how to say thank you. They actually had great training and they taught you how to do things the right way. And it was that particular McDonald's was the busiest McDonald's in Oregon, Washington, Montana, Northern California, and Idaho, I believe. And so I tell you what, doing French fries in a vat wasn't not very good for a 16, 15, 16 year old kid and wearing a polyester suit that put a lot of grease on my face, so to speak. And so anyways, I got through that with that experience and then I actually worked in a movie theater, which was one of the easiest things in the world and learned that was during the Terminator two days. Thank you, Arnold Schwarzenegger. And had these that inter- learned how to uh, splice reels and and put it into a projector because there was this big reels basically that that went from different one place to another. It was uh, very different than than it is today. And also want to go back and thank you to Guy Hardwick, my uncle, who helped get me one of those early jobs. And then and from there, I, I ended up going to the University of Washington, and I, I always had jobs during. The- during that period from working at the Intermittent Activities Building because I needed to always get some cash in the bank. I worked at the golf driving range, which was not as fun as you would think it would be. And But one of my best jobs was working at a what's called, a, it was called Fast Utility Refund Service. I helped this guy a little bit, helped him, but he more helped me to understand how to actually start becoming an entrepreneur again. And, and from this, I actually helped take that concept and idea and bring it down to Portland to one of my good longtime family friends, the Reels, and they helped start a branch of that down in Portland. And, and I started to get this opportunity understanding what entrepreneurialism. He also ta- taught me Zig Ziglar. And he, and he actually gave me the 16-set cassette tape. And I actually started learning and understanding that to be a great leader, you have to be a great reader. And I typically, I prefer audiobooks, honestly, but it was just this great experience to learn at such a young age, these great concepts to how to do things. From there, I ended up going to, you know, in once again, in the University of Washington, I thought I was, looked at three different majors. I wanted to I really wanted to continue to come back and actually coach, teach high school, coach high school football. That was kind of my passion. And my coach was interested in having me come back, but ultimately, and I thought about engineering, but ultimately accounting seemed like the best path for me. So I went down that path and I was fortunate enough to get multiple offers and ended up joining Coopers and Library. And uh, thank you to Gary Tomesley and all the multiple Joe Pointer out there, who's one of our listeners who guided me and helped me to get that. I ended up getting a CPA. 
And, but, but I did learn that I didn't think it was the best long-term fit for me. And so in that era and the pre kind of that early dot-com period, it was really easy to get a new job, kind of like how it is today, if you're willing to work hard. And so I ended up joining this company called uh, Protocol Services and, and they recruited me and we had, even though we were just in this place, a little place in, in Oregon, we had clients all throughout the United States, employee assistance programs, and we had all these mental health professionals on staff. And even at that, I was the senior most financial person in the company. And they even allowed me to ha start managing HR in that period of time. And it was a really interesting experience. I thought I was going to be there for a while, but I got recruited away and went to this company called Backcock Jenkins, which just recently is no longer in business. And they were a direct marketing firm. They would do these mailers. And back then, this was a big deal to put a little code on it and then put it into the internet um, where people would be able to track the lead and, and try to get them to be interested in ultimately so their sales reps can follow up on these opportunities. So I had these interesting experiences and then I got recruited away again to go to a company called Corellian Corporation. It was a publicly traded company. I started out as assistant controller and eventually became the corporate controller. And we had, it was a really interesting time. I was managing cash and helping out support the SEC reporting. I wasn't personally filing it, but I was helping to get them prepared. And we had a lot of challenges. We, we, we grew a ton and then, and then we had to rein in the spending. And so we had to make some really tough, basically layoffs during that period of time. And that was a tough thing to deal with at that point in my career. I had a lot of stress dealing with it. I thought I was going to lose my job. The reward was I got to hand out 200 checks to families because we, we weren't taking care of business. And, and that was a very, there was this, this little memo that went out on Yahoo boards, which said, you know, more revenue, less expense. And it, 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 that's just a simple message, right? That we need to learn and understand. And so thought I was going to be there for a while and, and had a great experience with Nathan McArdle, who helped mentor me through that period of time, but ultimately um, ended up moving to get recruiting to Lightspeed. And Lightspeed, one of my best experiences I ever had, I was there for nearly a decade. And we had Classroom Audio Equipment, still a, a great company today, and, um, and being able to expand that so teachers throughout the United States and throughout the world, so teachers could be able to speak more clearly and children could hear them better. And especially considering the COVID mandate, they've been doing great. It's an ESOP company. Matter of fact, it's now just recently became 100% ESOP. And thank you for that transaction. I was an ESOP shareholder. And David Solomon is a great, he's a good friend. And, and I appreciated the efforts that he did to help take it to the next level. But it was Jerry Ramey who see this book, Good to Great and, and Mentoring by Dan Mube, that they helped me provide great men, mentoring and understanding about strategic planning and execution. This company I, I didn't mention had tripled in size while I was there. And it was incredible to see if you plan the right strategy, focus on the right things, you could have great execution. And so we did that, we had success. And I thought it was gonna be there forever. And got this incredible opportunity to join a company called DW Fritz. And DW Fritz, uh, thank you to Mike Fritz for that, that opportunity experience. We, that company, we were serving the consumer electronic and robotics and automation. I initially came in as just the finance person, but I ultimately got the opportunity to get involved in helping to set up China manufacturing, help do an investment down in the Bay Area, and had multiple experiences that, had to go to China multiple times, and we, we also tripled in size during the period I was there. Now, we'd like to go back for a moment to talk about Lightspeed because I started out as a CFO at 30 years of age. And what I may mention beforehand is I had this experience of where I thought I wanted to still teach and coach and it came to me again. So I actually built up the side business called Carl J Consulting. 
Well, Crawjay Consulting was providing tax work basically for multiple, I think I got up to 35 clients. I was all doing this on the side. And the purpose behind it was to help supplement my income to help Help, help me raise the family. You know, it's got a wife and four kids and, and how to make sure that, you know, I could do what I could do to help survive, help, help us provide and also be able to do what I thought was my passion. Well, I eventually got asked to maybe consider not doing that and be more involved with the company. And so I did verbally agree to do that, but it was a great experience. I got these opportunities to ultimately start managing IT and, and managing the technical support team. And then it got to a point where I got to manage operations. And from there, we helped set up a distribution center in Europe and, and, and Netherlands and Maastricht and, and United Kingdom. We got to do that in. And, and then eventually we also started to actually do some of our manufacturing in the United States, which was a great experience. Got to learn about lean and thank you to the OMEP team and Aaron Fox and Chris Sher. Thank you so much for like teaching me the lean journey. We worked in Taiwan, the Rio group and worked in China and multiple different opportunities. And so it was this great experience where I got to travel around the world, learn a tremendous amount. And, and then going to the Dieter Fritz days, well, both of us were good. We tripled both of these companies respectively in size. And we had this um, great strategic planning and execution that we did on a regular basis. So, so from there, once again, I kind of thought I was going to stay there forever and be with Dieter Fritz. It was kind of because I, I didn't have this like plan to keep on moving to something else. But while we we're at Dieter Fritz, we found this wonderful company called Cascade Strategy. Cascade Strategy does strategic planning software and based out of Sydney, Australia. And we saw the tool and literally immediately, I was like, this is something not only we need to buy, but we need to find out we could invest in this company. And I started having calls with Tom Wright, the CEO. And thank you, Tom, that he took some faith and trust in, in myself and, and in Mike Fritz. And we ended up on the side, we ended up opening up the US office. Originally, it was just for the Northwest of Oregon, eventually became all of the Americas. And through a few years, I started moonlighting initially, uh, sold a big, a couple deals to some multinationals and eventually had the confidence I, I did that full time. We ended up growing that to 50% of the global business. But the best part behind it was seeing all these companies who were successful in strategic planning execution, but also seeing so many people struggled. And so I spent a ton of time in a lot of these books that, that if you're watching on YouTube, I encourage you to go to that because a lot of this is kind of written behind me learned a ton of information just about best practices and strategic planning and execution, why it works for some, why it doesn't work for others. And so I loved it. I loved every part of it. And what I found was with, with these clients, it's sort of like people buy a Peloton bike and they think that just because it has software, they're going to get up on it each day. Well, you still have to get up and get on it each day. And, and so ultimately for for Cascade, I wanted to make sure clients continue to use it and they became great at it. And so we started doing more and more consulting I remember I was with a client down in Phoenix and we were doing a presentation and they pulled us aside and said like two hours into it, like, you know, we would have gave you 10 grand just for that last two hours alone. I just didn't realize the amount of content and value that we were providing through all of this. And it was just a great experience. So I started doing more and more consulting and it was a lot of fun. And ultimately I got uh, asked to run the global consulting unit. And it was a really, really tough decision to make that. But I was like, wow, I, if I could get a chance to, continue doing strategic planning consulting and help organizations and CEOs respectfully deal with the challenges of growing people, process, and systems and the obstacles through it and having a clear plan to get it done. Get it done. The reality is only 
10% of organizations get two thirds of their strategic objectives done. And then there's very few people that actually have strategic planning education. It's, it's rarely, even in MBA programs, you might get a class or two, but it's not the main part of what you do. And even organizations, one of the reasons we're called 40 strategy is that only most organizations only spend about 2% of their time strategic planning, which is equivalent of 40 hours per year. So what we do is we have this expertise and the team around me helps me out to help make sure we can help execute it for our clients. Not only do we help come up with the strategic planning, but we help design the strategies and not in the accountability to get it done. It doesn't make sense to just to do a retreat. We want to make sure that you actually go through the whole process and succeed. And you could double your profits and have growth in sales and have build the type of company that you wanted to do to get the next level. That's what we love. Our passion as, as we wrap this up here is it, we're not, this is not a overnight plan. This we're, we're in this for the long haul. Our, our long-term plan is to positively impact a million people, 10,000 organizations. And then myself, I plan to work directly with a hundred organizations over the next decade to help do what we can do at a very uh, close relationship to help them be successful. And I take all this leadership and all this learning from all the people that I worked with in the past. And I, and I'm passing along from personal experience and the research that we have done and, and, and it's working for our clients. And this is why we get referrals on a regular basis. We have private equity firms that we work with. We work with entrepreneurs, we work with startups, but we primarily work in this sweet spot and work directly with the CEOs from this 4 million to 40 million and beyond. And it's a great experience. And so I'm hoping for those who are out there, you've enjoyed this, this 18 minute, I've been looking down the clock, this 18 minute discussion on why 40 strategy was created. We have this passion and not only do we, do we want to help these people, but we get the first 10% of our net revenues that in our goal is to give at least a million dollars uh, over this 10 year period. And hopefully a lot more than that. So if you want to learn more about that, you can go to you already know about the Measure Success podcast. You could go to LinkedIn at Carl J. Cox, Carl J. Cox, LinkedIn, or 40strategy.com. If you want to send us an email, just send it to catch, C-A-T-C-H at 40strategy.com. Love to have a conversation with you. And uh, with that, I hope you enjoy this. As always, as we always like to thank our guests and thank you for our guests who've been listening to this. It, this has been so much fun to get referrals on a regular basis for people to come on the show, providing experts. We hope you appreciate what you're learning. We hope you like the series that we're doing on the making of 40 strategy and how we make a difference with our clients. And, and, and with that, to all our listeners, we're wishing you the very best at measuring your success and have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Measure Success Podcast. We'll see you again next time to learn from the best. Remember to subscribe now to get future episodes.